Hello listeners and welcome back to the Scholarcity podcast. I know we've been away for a while but that's because we've been busy with other stuff and uh, we're going to record podcast episodes of them very soon. So stay tuned. Well, for this episode, we're going to talk about AP exams. So Pranav recently gave three AP exams. He gave AP Physics C, Mechanics, in which he got a 5 out of 5. he gave ap calculus bc again a 5 out of 5 with a sub score in ap calculus eb of 5 out of 5 again great he also gave ap chemistry in which he got a 4 out of 5 so he is fortunately here with us and uh, let us now discuss a little about these exams because this seem to be very important and uh, there is a lot of information available on the internet but it is scattered throughout and this is the place you can get perfect punch of it so pranav how have you been for this long time i am sure it's been great man yeah i've been really busy been busy with a lot of work a lot of research a lot of like writing stuff applying for colleges obviously essay is the big thing <laughs> right so we've been really busy both of us actually uh, you know both of us have been really busy we know the exams in grade 12 it's not easy to handle a lot of stuff together but uh, yeah thankfully we have a time today to uh, record this podcast so and yeah we're going to be talking about ap exams and uh, yeah as anshuman gave you the brief that ap exams are probably some of the most feared it's one of the most feared things uh, for students especially those who are uh, applying to the united states and for united states students as well it's it's sometimes it's really terrifying and i can understand that okay it it happens but uh, yeah we we are hopefully going to make the process a little bit simpler for you and uh, yeah just sit back and uh, relax just enjoy this if you plan to give ap in the future or if you have given it just enjoy ha huh, totally just enjoy the podcast and uh, absorb all of the information that uh, we're going to discuss yeah so let's first start with uh, what are ap exams right how to register for them right so ap exams basically stand for advanced placement exams So they are basically exams uh, in which you can take a college course in high school itself, not exactly college course, but equivalent of a college course. For example, like uh, Anshuman said, I took AP Calculus BC, which is the equivalent of two semesters in mathematics in calculus in college, Calc one and Calc two, right? Now because I took AP Calculus BC in uh, in high school itself in grade eleven, I do not need to take Calc one and Calc two in in college. I got credits for it. Uh, i got the placement for it so um that is what ap exams are so it saves you a lot of time in certain cases it saves you a lot of money as well so you don't need to repeat those courses again and again because when you're in college calc 1 calc 2 um or some of the introductory courses in even in computer science physics chemistry they're relatively easy right so they are the courses that you typically want to accomplish in high school itself and that is where ap exams comes in so they give you a chance to gain some credits or placements Then you can kind of skip these courses when you go to college, and um, then it comes to how to register for them. It's uh, simple. It's really simple. Actually, probably simpler than the SAT. I found registering for the SAT a lot more trickier. Uh, you just go onto the College Board website, and there will be an option for uh, AP, and then you can register for it. Uh, also, one thing I'd like to mention is there. Uh, there's wide difference between how an Indian student or how an international student would take an AP exam versus how an American student would take an AP exam. So, to the best of my knowledge, um, AP classes are actually taken in a lot of American high schools. So, a lot of American high schools actually offer AP programs or AP classes to their students, 
and 50% of their grade is from the, that class and 50% of the grade is from the written exam that they give if i'm not wrong but in india or you know in general for international students where ap exams uh, or rather where ap classes are not taken in your high school the total the entirety of the grade is based upon the exam that you give uh, on that final day it's usually in may so um, the entire grade uh, whatever you score out of 5 so ap exams are graded out of 5 you can either receive a 3 out of 5 4 out of 5 1 out of 5 or lower so uh, yeah a 5 out of 5 is basically the highest score achievable in the ap exam uh, a lot of people have the misconception that to score 5 out of 5 you need to score like 95% on the ap exam no that's not at all the case it really differs if we talk about an exam such as ap calcul bc even if you score around 75% you should be pretty confident that you're scoring 5 out of 5 uh, uh, and even in certain cases if we have an exam like ap physics c mechanics even a score like 55 or 60% as you in great contention for a fire device it really depends upon the exam uh, so yeah that will that are what ap exams are in brief right so uh, as you said that in the us specifically they have these courses for ap exams right ap courses uh, so is the exam any different which uh, held in uh, the us or held internationally in other countries is the paper itself different are the questions different or are they same throughout I believe it is different. Uh, uh, so one thing about AP exam, it's held on different dates for different people, right? So for example, I'll I'll give you a first-hand experience. My AP Chemistry exam was scheduled to be held on second of May, right? And that was the second of May was like internationally and even in the United States, most of the people were giving on second May. But for Indian students, we had to face an uh, unfortunate circumstance. what actually happened was at the mumbai uh, at the mumbai customs department the ap the ap exam papers got stuck so we got an email and an exam got postponed to 26th of may right so this 26th of may is something called as a late testing and late testing is basically when a student is not able to give ap exam on the designated day due to some circumstances right so there were two late testing dates for ap chemistry this year it was on 18th may or 26th may i gave it on 26th may and the papers obviously on 2nd may 18th may and 26th may are different all three are different from another so that obviously students can go get out go home and discuss uh, another thing about the ap is of course you cannot take the question paper or answer key or any anything really at home right so uh, you, you know uh, if you give olympiads or if you give any of the school exams you can really take back the question paper but that is not the case with the ap exams that is not the case with the sat as well you cannot take back any question paper at home and you are legally bounded to not release any of the data of the question paper whether what chapters were asked or anything they they kind of prevent you from doing that okay they prohibit you from doing that i would advise you to not do that as well right because that's that's just the terms and policies of college bridge uh, of college board you may you may agree or disagree with it but that's just how it is to they they say that to give an equal chance to everybody So yeah, right. the papers are definitely different for different people. There, it's mostly depending upon the dates on which you give the exam. For every AP exam, there is something called as a late testing, right? For every AP exam, there are like certain dates uh, said that if you for for certain circumstances if you cannot give the exam on the designated day, you can take it on this day as well. Um, oh. Another like stereotype there is about late testing exam that late testing exams are more difficult than the, the regular testing dates. In my opinion, that's a complete myth. There is, I, I, I don't agree whatsoever with that, because you see, AP exams 
in a way just like the SAT are based on the percentile system, right? So, for yeah. example, if we talk about, let's say, AP Physics Mechanics, right? AP Physics Mechanics, uh, roughly, I guess, around 33%, so one-third of people get a 5 out of 5, right? If I remember the statistics correctly, roughly one-third of people get a 5 out of 5, right? So, in, in order to get the 5 out of 5, you need to be in the one-third of the people, if, if that kind of makes sense. Similarly, if you want to score 5 out of 5 in AP Chemistry, you need to be in the top 10% of the people. Only 10% of the people that give AP Chemistry get 5 out of 5. Right. right. It's kind of a, kind of a percentile-based system. And normalization happens depending upon the difficulty level of the paper. So, it's not like there's not there's not a set score that you need to target for, for you to be able to get 5 out of 5 or 4 out of 5 or 3 out of 5. It's, it's basically a percentile system. If the paper is hard, it's hard for everyone. If the paper is simple, it's simple for it's simple for everyone. And that's great. Right? There's no set score that you need to achieve. You just need to do relatively well in comparison to your peers who have also given the paper. That's how it works. Right. That, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so you said that you gave uh, your chemistry exam. It was scheduled for 2nd of May and it got late tested. Uh, so is... Are these exams held every year in May or do the dates vary? What's the frequency of testing? Right, so the testing happens, uh, so, so these AP exams, they're held once a year. Okay, every year they're held in May. Uh, they're held in like the first 15 days of May, usually all of the regular AP testing dates will be there. And then for the next 15 days, you will uh, you usually have the late testing. So they finish the all of the AP exams in around May. And it takes them around two or maybe two and a half months to give the results. So yeah, most of the exams happen in May itself. Right, okay. And by when do you have to register? What's the deadline for registration? I believe the registration starts somewhere around end of September for international students. If you are an American student, then you just need to register for the AP class in your school, in your high school, and then they will automatically register you for it. As an international student, uh, I believe the registration in India at least starts in late September. Last year in 2021, it has started at around 20 September. And uh, there are, I believe, two windows given to you for you to register. Uh, you can either register from 20 September to 20 November. That is the early registration. Cost is a little bit less. And then you have the late registration option in which I believe you can register up till like February. And this is, this is specific to international students, okay? Uh, you can register up till February. In certain cases, even March, right? Uh, but the cost is obviously a little bit more. So, but you right. can register, uh, th those are the registration deadlines, you know. Also, so one more thing. students? Uh, yeah, coming on to the cost, before that, one more thing. If you want to, like, shift from the regular testing dates to the late testing dates, you have to pay a fine, right? That does not affect your score in any way, but you kind of have to pay extra if you want to shift your exam date from a regular testing date to a late testing date. So, for example, if I wanted to shift my... AP chemistry exam from let's say 2nd May to 26th May, I would have to pay some fee. But because of the fact that because of the fact that the uh, the papers were held at the Mumbai Customs Department and that wasn't in my control, so they didn't ask for any fee. Like they postponed it for literally everyone in Central and South Southern India, right? Because nobody could help it if the uh, if the exam papers are stuck at the Mumbai uh, Customs Department, right? So in such unforeseen circumstances, uh, okay, they can make an exception for you. But if you, on your own will, want to shift your AP testing dates from uh, from the regular dates to the late, uh, to the 
late testing days, then you need to pay a fine. Coming into the cost, um, if I remember correctly, the cost when I registered for it, I registered in the early window. So I registered somewhere in, let's say, late October or early November. And the cost, I believe, was around 13,500 Indian rupees for EJP. So you can convert that into whatever currency is in your country, but we had around 13,500 per AP. So if you're giving three APs, it would cost you roughly 40,500, somewhere around that. Taxes are included, I believe. Okay. Right. So, so what's next, by the way? Eligibility. You can give them. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, talking about eligibility criteria, what's what's the eligibility for giving AP exams? I believe anyone in high school can give AP exams. So does not matter if you're a freshman, if you're a sophomore, if you're a junior or a senior. As long as you're in high school, you can register for an AP exam. And uh, there is a provision for you to give an unofficial AP exam as well. So the scores that will be given to you will be unofficial. They will, they will be official. You cannot send them as an official AP score to the universities. And this, this, this provision is only made if you're taking your AP exam in middle school. Some students, uh, I know a few friends of mine who are in, let's say, grade 8 or grade 7, they're actually taking uh, AP exams, but they're unofficial AP exams. They're not really counted towards any credits or any placements. And you can't even send them to uh, universities in order to gain some placements. So th- those are basically unofficial, unofficial AP scores. But if you want to register for the actual AP exam, as long as in high school, just go to the college uh, college board website and you can, you can do it. Right. So, uh, the test centers, are, are they same as SAT? Like, if you have a, a test center which hosts SAT, does it also simultaneously host AP? Is that so? Or... No, unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, so, like many of you would know, I'm from Pune. Right? Now, Pune till 2022 did not have any AP test center. Right? The students from Pune, they usually had to go to either Mumbai or... Uh, Bangalore or Ahmedabad or Delhi or somewhere to give the AP exams. But this year, thankfully, uh, Pune actually did have an AP testing center. It was in Kalyani School in Pune, a brilliant school. They organized it fabulously. Um, I don't think they could have organized it any better. Uh, it was it was really smooth, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it, it was the first time they were conducting it. So yeah, it, it was a really nice experience. And But yeah, uh, uh, coming back to the question, no. The, the SAT the SAT test centers and the AP test centers are usually different. It may be same in certain cases. My SAT was in Pune University, but my AP exam was in Kalyani School. They are on two other ends of the city. Uh, so it's usually not the same. And in fact, I believe there are more SAT test centers in India than there are AP. Uh, because SAT is in a way a compulsory exam. Now I know that a lot of colleges are test optional uh, for this admission cycle. But uh, in general, a lot of... Uh, most of the students from India give SAT if they are applying abroad, right? But that's not the case with AP exams. Very few people from India give AP exams, right? Uh, so the number of test centers in India for AP are also relatively low. Uh, there is one in Lucknow, there's one in Pune, there's one in Mumbai, there's one in Bangalore, I believe, Calcutta, Delhi, Chandigarh, Pune. These are some of the cities that have the AP test centers. The SAT, however, test center you would find in literally every major town or city in India. But that's unfortunately not the case with AP. So it may be possible that you may not get a test center in your city. 
or even if there is a test center in your city the seats may have been already fulfilled by other students so that is why it is very important for you to register early right so now coming on to the part uh, talking about advantages so what's the advantage of giving an ap and should a student give an ap or not how how should the student you know decide upon this okay so uh, i mentioned a little bit about the advantages before so obviously you get a placement you get credits for it so i'll give it i'll, I'll explain it with my case now as you said right i gave the ap calculus bc exam the ap physics the mechanics exam and the ap chemistry exam and i got fired if i had ap calculus bc right so right. i need not take calc 1 and calc 2 in whatever college i go in the united states i can directly start from calc 3 which is multivariate calculus there is no there is no ap that covers calc 3 calc 3 is a compulsory course for engineers for mathematicians for physics or for physics major basically like almost everyone in stem has to has to study calc multivariate calculus right but calc 1 and calc 2 calc 1 is basically ap calculus ab and calc 2 is basically ap calculus bc uh so i need not give calc 1 and calc 2 in college so that would save me around two semesters or one year of calculus and i can directly start with courses like multivariate calculus and linear algebra which most students start with so that is definitely an advantage it saved me time it saved me a lot of money and a lot of students from india especially computer science majors none of us are a potential computer science major but a lot of the students that want to study computer science in the united states they really want to complete their undergraduate in 3 years and then complete their masters in 1 year they want to complete their entire like bachelor's plus masters in 4 years if you want to do that i'm not arguing whether it's good or not that's completely up to you if you want to do it in 4 years though it's very important that you have aps because without aps it'll become really really hectic for you to be able to complete all of the course load in 4 years right the bachelor's plus masters are typically 6 year course and if you want to complete it in 4 years you have to work really really hard and if you have aps there's a big boost it's a massive boost if you have cleared courses like calc 1 calc 2 in most of the college especially if you're an engineering major or even if you want to study uh, things like computer science or, or or a science major then you need to take at least one course in either physics or chemistry right so either you can take an introductory level course in chemistry which is ap chemistry the equivalent of which is ap chemistry or you can take things like physics mechanics uh, and physics uh, electromagnetism right both of these are ap exams so if you really given these aps it can help a lot there are some other electives in college as well as economics uh, which is really broadly divided into two courses macroeconomics and microeconomics both of them have equivalent ap courses so if you given those aps that will definitely benefit you if you want to take economics in college so these are some of the advantages it'll save you time it'll save you it'll save you a lot of time save you a lot of money and anyone who can give a decent amount of time to prepare for these ap exams should definitely give them right if you can afford it if you can if you can afford to spend the time and money to prepare for the exams i would really recommend it to uh, to if this game is a pretty good investment and it would save a lot of your time and money in the long run so yeah definitely recommendable for uh, for people right definitely useful um and how does it affect selected right the first step i mean that's really very debatable uh, i'm not an admissions officer so of course i cannot provide a really great answer for that but statistically speaking right just on the basis of pure statistics pure maths students that give ap exams or students that have a heavy course load of ap exams 
they usually tend to do better when it comes to third generation. Now there are plenty of reasons for that. Okay, let's maybe try and analyze them one by one. If you are a domestic student, by domestic I mean if you're an American citizen, if you're an American student in an American high school, um, the AP exams would count towards your GPA, right? So your unweighted GPA is on a four point zero scale out of four point zero, but your weighted GPA is out of a five point zero scale. So that includes credits for AP exams as well. Right, so if you give AP exams, not only are they kind of like they they show to colleges that you are willing to take very high degrees of academic rigor, you are willing to take a course or a, you're willing to take classes that is much higher than your current uh, current school level. That obviously shows good, and obviously it can improve your GPA as well. Now, when it comes to international students, uh, AP exams are not going to improve your GPA. Right, they're not going to improve your GPA because anyways. Either you have an unweighted GPA or you have some other system measurement. You may have a CGPA, which is, uh, which is scoring out of ten, or you may just have grades out of a hundred, which is the case for most schools. So in our cases, the AP exams are not going to help our GPA. But why you need to take AP exams is because a, they demonstrate the fact that you are willing to take rigorous coursework, that you are willing to take, if you are willing to study subjects that are much higher than your current level of uh, teaching that is taught you in your school. Right, so going out of the way, in a way, or going like much beyond the textbooks in your school to study for these exams. So that is those are some of the that those are some of the things that are showcased to an admissions officer when they see that you have an AP exam, that you have taken AP exams, and that is definitely beneficial. Now again, you can potentially argue that students in the United States have a slight advantage as AP exams are taught in their school, but uh, I believe even if you are in India. If you're in any country, the fact that you have access to the internet, in my opinion, is more than enough, right? We have tons of resources on the internet. It's twenty twenty two, right? If you have an internet connection, if you have a laptop or a cell phone or any electronic gadget on which you can access the internet, you can really make good use of that. Now, obviously, there are pros and cons of the internet, but if if you really want to use the internet in a good way, you can access AP resources. You can access video lectures on YouTube for AP exams. You can access um, video lectures for any subject really that you want to study, right? So the fact that AP exams are not taught in a school, in my opinion, is not an excuse enough for you to not give AP exams, right? You should definitely give those AP exams if possible. Uh, if due to some unforeseen circumstances you are not able to give, that's perfectly acceptable. But in my opinion, you should try your best to give these exams because they are definitely very important. And like you said, they are important. For college admissions as well, typically people who have AP scores, a high amount of AP classes, they generally um, have better chances. Now, there's again this thing. For example, in in the United States, what happens is a lot of schools offer like eight to ten AP classes a year, right? So the admissions officer might want you to take all of them or a good majority of them to demonstrate a kind of a very high course load that you're studying a lot. But in India, it's obviously not the case. You are not even taught one AP in your school. So the fact that you're going out of the way to study three, four APs in a year, in my opinion, is pretty sufficient. It's pretty good. And if you couple that up with other things, other uh, uh, intellectual vital things, other things that demonstrate your interest, it should be pretty good. Uh, it, it should be pretty good for a profile. And obviously, uh, again, if yeah, there, there's there's obviously an honor section involved with AP exams as well. So there are different honors or different awards given depending upon your performance in AP exams. If you score more than three out of five in at least three APs, 
get an AP scholar award I received that as well that is something that uh, you can target as well through this AP exam so that's why I at least give three APs uh, sometimes I regret not giving more APs I feel that I could have squeezed in maybe one or two more um, but yeah I, I always have next year like this year I'm giving I believe three or four APs so it works out in the end but uh, yeah it is definitely if, if you can give them please do and uh, it is definitely beneficial in a certain way in your admission decisions. Right, makes perfect sense. So, as you said, uh, the coursework is higher when compared to standard American classes. Right, so the standard high schooler in America, uh, for them, these are there are special AP courses apart from their normal coursework. Now, because we don't have in India, how would you compare the of the current Indian grades of 11th and 12th to the AP exams, right? What do they demand? Do they demand something extra? Is it specifically, you know, is it specific to the exam, right? Or physics, is it, uh, is the case different? For mathematics, is it different? Chemistry, is it different? So how does the entire curriculum compare? I mean, uh, to be very honest, every AP exam is a different ballgame in itself. So, you need to tackle the AP physics exam slightly differently from the way you tackle the AP calculus BC or the AP economics or some, some other AP. Um, right now, talking about the difficulty level, again, we are going to have to talk about specific APs. Uh, I'll, I'll specifically comment on the APs I give. Okay. So, let's start with AP calculus BC. So, when it comes to AP calculus BC, you obviously have two sections. One is the objective section and one is the subjective section. And if, it, if you're talking about the objective section, that I would say is easier, significantly easier than what is taught in 11th and 12th in India. I don't know what the case for other countries are, but at least in 11th and 12th in ICSE and CBSE, and even IB boards or IGCSE, I believe the level of calculus taught is much more than what comes in AP Calculus BC objective paper. Now, obviously, there are certain things on the AP Calculus BC exam that are not taught in Indian high schools, right? There are certain chapters that are completely removed, right? For example, things like Taylor series, McLaurin series, and the entire concepts of, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, entire concepts of series, you know, divergent series, convergence series, the ratio tests and stuff like that, that is completely removed. That, that, that does not exist in Indian, in, in Indian curriculum, right? People study it for uh, competitive exams, but at least when it comes to CBSE, ICSE, or certain boards like that, you are not taught that, right? So that is something that you need to study on your own. But apart from that, if you really talk about the, the like the conceptual difficulty, or like how hard the paper is, it's not really hard when it comes to the objective section at least. In fact, many students I know probably have scored full, a hundred percent score on the objective section because it's it's really not that, not that hard. Especially for CBC students, if you studied calculus uh, from a class with NCRT book, it's in my opinion, much more than enough. It's a lot more than enough uh, to finish the objective section of this paper. But obviously, that's not the end, right? 50% of your grades in your AP are from the objective section and 50% are from the subjective section. This is true for all APs. Now, when it comes to the subjective section of the AP Calculus BC, it is simple but tricky. And why I say that is because there is a lot of scope for you to make a silly mistake. Because of the subjective paper. Now, calculus is a subject in which if it is an objective paper, it is relatively easier. But if it has a subjective dimension to it, 
things can get slightly complicated things get slightly trickier right so in my opinion the subjective paper is tougher than what you know comes in uh, boards like cbs or ics a lot of people say that the iv board international baccalaureate is tougher than the ap exams i really cannot comment on that because i'm not an iv student but based on perceptions a lot of people say that the iv is tougher than ap um it may be true it may not be true but what i at least know is the course load in iv is very it's, it's very strenuous you get very less time for extra curricular you get very less time for work experience you get very less time for research a lot of the things that you want to prepare for olympiads for instance in my case as well so that is where iv becomes a little bit challenging but when it comes to ap calculus bc overall the level is not very different from cbs in icc so if you studied your class 12 ncrt very well like thoroughly in depth and after that if you just study the extra chapters that come in the ap calculus bc exam uh, you should be able to ace it you should be able to score a 5 or 5 for sure now moving on to the ap physics mechanics exam this in my opinion is like how much you score on the ap physics uh, mechanics exam completely depends on how good your concept of clarity in physics is okay now the ap calc uh, the ap physics exam it's uh, it's one and a half hour right 45 minutes is object and 45 minutes is subjective and you need to solve 35 questions objective question 45 minutes that's a massive task right i had like literally struggled to finish 32 or 33 questions i don't think i finished the whole paper i had to guess on like two or three questions at the end right so the time is definitely very challenging when it comes to objective section what is the level i would say the level is somewhere between somewhere a little bit lower than j mains right a little bit lower than j mains a little bit simpler than j mains uh that i would rate that they're definitely harder than your board exams okay the ap physics even the objective section is significantly harder than your board exams in icse and cbc right again ip is a completely different thing but when it comes to icse and cbc the ap physics mechanics exam is significantly harder than what will come on your school on your school test So you definitely need to practice a lot, a lot of conceptual clarity and a lot of depth in concept is required for you for you to be able to score five or five on the AP Physics exam. Uh, and yes, speed matters a lot as well. So these thirty-five questions, they are although they are easy, you get a very less time to do it. Now in the J mains, I believe you get two or three minutes per question, right? But in this exam, you're barely getting a minute per question. So it's 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 really a matter of speed and accuracy, uh, how how well you can tackle these thirty-five questions. now when it comes to subjective portion physics in my opinion it is the toughest and this is one of the reasons why even if you score 60% physics you can get a 5 out of 5 right because the subjective portion is insanely hard until until and unless you have really good conceptual clarity in the subject right i would even go on to say that the subjective paper is of the level g advanced right i remember i had given uh, the the ap physics uh, mechanics exam this year And if I am not doing the third question, or even the second question, so both the second question and third question were the level of J advanced, right? Those are typical questions that you would see in a, in a J advanced paper. And the fact that it is a subjective, it's a, it's like a subjective paper makes it even harder because you have to derive stuff. You can't do things like process of elimination of answers, right? right. You really have to derive stuff. So it, it 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 it's really like a lot tougher. Uh, it's it's significantly harder than what is taught in the school. In my opinion, the physics mechanics exam is even harder than the IB, significantly harder than the IB, right? So the physics mechanics exam is really tricky, and you need to have 
really really good concepts in order to score five out of five on the AP physics and mechanics exam. Right? Um, okay. So coming on to the AP chemistry exam. Now AP chemistry exam again is divided into objective and subjective sections. AP chemistry exam is again exam is significantly harder than CBS and ICC. Now AP chemistry exam contains uh, it does not contain organic chemistry, right? And the main difficulty that comes for a lot of students uh, in, in the CBS and ICC curriculum is organic and inorganic chemistry, which you know you have to learn a lot basically. So it's like really you have to rote learn a lot. But in the AP chemistry, there's less of rote learning. There's more of concepts, which is which is what I like. Really, they're testing the conceptual clarity. They're not testing how well you can rote learn, as is this in our exams. So in my in my opinion, it's a much better exam. It is it will test your concepts for sure. In terms of difficulty level, I would say it is slightly higher. But um, it is slightly higher if you compare the subjects of AP chemistry with the subjects of what is taught in CBS and ICC. Right. In my opinion, organic chemistry is tougher than AP chemistry, but uh, that's just my personal opinion. Some of you may be really good at organic chemistry, but in general, I would say that AP chemistry is uh, slightly harder. Both the objective and the subjective sections are harder than what would come for your CBSE ICC exams. Makes sense. Um, so you said, you know, we aren't allowed to take away question papers or our answer markings. Um, so in that in Indian case, we obviously have the advantage to take away papers because in which we find a lot of sample papers on the internet. We can't find previous year papers on the internet. Now I doubt there would be any previous year papers, but are there any officially provided sample papers online which you can find for these AP exams? Unfortunately, for any of the objective sections of the AP exams, you would not find any content. Uh, that's that's really unfortunate because. All of the AP exams have an objective section and a subjective section. Subjective section is called the free response question, the FRQs. Now these FRQs are available on the AP website. Okay, <laughs> if you search these FRQs for uh, different different uh, AP exams for calculus or physics or chemistry, whatever, you'll find them. You'll find them for the past good 10-15 years. You'll be able to find them in certain cases in 20 years. Um, but none of the objective none of the objective papers are there. That's really sad. So what I would recommend you is maybe go for a reference book uh princeton review is pretty good i personally follow that you can also go for the barons ap textbooks both are really good i would say not 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 like you can choose any of them don't do both of them because that's too much of time pass <laughs> but uh, you can do either one of them just to get a hang of the ap exam because they contain mock exams right so my princeton review book on ap chemistry had like six or seven mock exams Including objective and subjective sections that really helped me kind of get a good idea of what the uh, exam is about. I would suggest you to go for the Princeton review or the uh, Barron's textbooks on AP, and that should be uh, that that is a decent way to get certain uh, to to get a hang of the objective paper. And when it comes to the free response question, the subjective paper, the papers are already there on the AP website. Right, and as you said, the subjective questions are the hardest. So the subjective that's... questions are definitely the hardest, and that is the good thing. Especially for an exam like physics, when the subjective questions are as hard as J advanced, you do want yeah. to see the level. Uh, but a good thing about the questions in you know the physics is, uh, you only have three questions, and you have like forty five minutes to give this, like fifteen questions. Sorry, uh, fifteen minutes per question, right? So you really analyze the question in depth. You have plenty of time to solve the question, and 
the question of different parts. Now, in Math Olympiad, especially if you're talking about the International Math Olympiad, you have six questions and you're like two and a half hours to three hours to solve it. And the questions are like, the questions that don't have subparts. Right? It's just like one question and you solve that. Right? But the questions are really challenging, of course. But when it comes to the AP exams, all of all of the AP exams I gave, mathematics, physics, and chemistry, all of the subjective questions had subscores. Uh, uh, like, it had subparts in it. Right? So we didn't have to solve a single question. We had to solve the question in different subparts. And all of the subparts really tested the conceptual and analytical skills really well. So uh, that was that was a good thing. But overall, um, it, it's really good that at least the subjective, the free response questions are available uh, on the AP website. Right. And what is the marking scheme like? Uh, as if, are there any set marking patterns uh, for objective um you know, total number of marks are divided half half or something like that. And also, uh, these some uh, parts of questions that you talked about. Let's say I solved one question, one part, one sub part rather, and then another question. I almost solved it half, right? I did not provide an answer, a definitive answer to it. Would I still get like some of the marks? Yeah, you would get partial credit for sure. Um, if you even if you saw like one subpart, you'll get partial marking for it. Obviously, uh, don't expect you to get full marking, but you'll, you'll get partial marks for it, that's for sure. That's a good thing, even if you don't need the entire question, if you answer like a few subparts, you'll get some partial marks for it. And um, coming on to the first question, how is the marking scheme? Well, 50% of your marks are objective, and 50% of your marks are subjective, right? So, for example, if you talk about AP physics, you had 35 questions. Right, but the marks for it would be forty-five. Right on right. the on the objective paper, on the subjective paper, the free response question you have forty-five marks. Three questions, each question is of fifteen marks. Right, so the physics in the objective, the thirty-five is scaled to forty-five. So yeah. if you score high on the objective, that's that's really beneficial for you. Having having said that, you know if you want to score like five to five on the AP. Physics, uh, AP Physics C Mechanics exam, you need to score 55 out of 90. Uh, that that would be your target score to get 5 out of 5. So in my opinion, if you score a decent number of objective questions, plus if you score one subjective question completely, that should be enough, in my opinion. Obviously, that's easier said than done, but that is how the marking scheme works. And that, that's, the, that's the case for every every AP exam. 50% of the marks would be from your objective paper and 50% of the marks would be from your free response questions. So it's it's an equal distribution of marks. Right, that's good. So now um, coming on to your preparation, right? How did you begin preparing, and what are the resources that you used during your preparation journey for these AP exams? Sure. Uh, so let's talk about all three AP exams one by one. So let's start with the AP exam I was the best prepared for. <laughs> that was the uh, AP Calculus BC exam. Right. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, as some of you may know, I'm a math lead. I have cleared a lot of math Olympiads, uh, including things like IQM and the International Math Olympiad. I made it a body there. So, maths is definitely my forte. Okay. Uh, it's it's something that I do research in it as well. I'm currently researching on geometric groups and increased groups. And uh, I wish to take that in college as well. I learned calculus, or rather, I started studying calculus and learned quite a bit about it when I was a grade. So when I was in grade eight, I did like I used to love integration a lot, and my grandmother she's a she's a PhD in math, 
right? So she used to give me the integration problems. I really used to love integration a lot. Like I was a, I was an absolute fan of integration. Yeah, I used to really love drawing that integrant symbol. For some reason, I used to find that really cool. Yeah, for a thirteen-year-old kid, I, I, just, I just loved it. So I love doing integration. I love doing indefinite integration, especially. I kind of found definite integration to be a little bit boring. Now I find it a lot more interesting because I kind of get the geometrical interpretation on a lot of the nuances and the analysis portion of it. But when I was in like grade eight, I was like really a fan of indefinite integration. That is when I really started studying calculus. That is when I studied application of derivative. That is when I studied differential equations. And by the time I had come to like the mid of ninth section, I had completed the entire AP calculus BC section. Right. So it. When I was preparing for the AP Calculus BC, I really did not have to do anything much than revise. And I was prepared for it. Right, so my preparation strategy was pretty simple. When I was in 9th and 10th, I was really not sure of applying abroad, even if I even want to do that. And that's why I did not have this notion of an AP exam. And that's why I gave it in 11th, because when I came in 11th, I was pretty sure that I wanted to apply abroad. But in 9th and 10th, there was no such thing. I was a proper J student, <laughs> like you. So, uh, so... Uh, I did not give AP exams then, but yeah, my preparation was pretty good for that. For someone who has not done such a thing, how would you start from scratch? Um, if you're an Indian student, I would just suggest you to look up an academy lectures on calculus. This is not a promotion, I swear. <laughs> I, I'm not promoting any channel, okay? But an academy lectures, they're pretty good. They're pretty conceptual. The... They are, they're, they're like really depth. Uh, they, they'll go into the topic in a lot of depth. So you can check out Unlimited Lecture. You can check out Vedantu Lectures as well. I think both are equally good. Uh, as the, the end goal is like you need to get your concepts cleared. You need to get a decent amount of problem solving skills and you need to get your concepts cleared. If, you, if you're able to get there, it doesn't matter from what source you get it. But I would recommend you to either check out Un Academy of Vedantu Lectures from YouTube. And after that, just do some basic problem solving from either the Princeton Review book or... Um, or, or the Barron's book, whatever you have. So that is what I would suggest you to do as an Indian student, as an international student. Uh, if you're an American student, uh, I'm pretty sure AP Calculus BC is there in your school. So just follow your school lectures, the assignment their professor give you. If you're an international student not from India, uh, I would recommend you to visit certain channels for AP Calculus BC. I believe Krista King has beautiful seven or eight lectures on AP Calculus AB and BC. Uh, that was uploaded about 10 or 12 years ago. So they are like really good uh, lectures. They're really good for concepts really. And that is most of what you would need for the AP exam. You can check that out. Um, and after that, you can really thoroughly go through the Princeton Review and the Barron's uh, and or or the Barron's AP book. And that should be that should be good enough in my opinion for a fire to fight. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was how you should tackle AP Calculus BC. Uh, when it comes to AP Physics, again, AP Physics is really conceptual. So again, if you are an American student, just follow whatever your teacher is telling in school. Solve all the assignments. Be sincere in class. You know, attend all the lectures. You know, and try to get, uh, try to like maintain your concepts in the problem solving. That should be more than enough. If you're an Indian student, again, just head over to Unacademy of Vedanto on YouTube and just see the lectures on mechanics. Right, Namokal has explained mechanics in an amazing way. I was studying from him when I was in grade 10 and he explained to me mechanics really well. So by the time I came to 11th, mechanics was really, really good. It was at really high level. I was even solving questions from textbooks like Erodov and Krotov, which are of J advanced, probably even high level. So I, 
you know, for conceptual clarity in physics, I would really recommend you to um, watch an academy of Vedanta if you're an Indian student. If not, if you're not an Indian student, if you're an international student, I would recommend you to check out certain books in physics. That's what I would recommend. Uh, there is a beautiful book written by an Indian physicist called H.C. Verma. You can check him out. There are other books, I believe, as well. There is uh, Kleppner and Kolenkow. There is David Morin. If you want to say electromagnetism, there's David Morin. There's Kleppner and Kolenkow, Mechanics, Introduction to Mechanics. You can check out Richard Feynman, the Richard Feynman series on uh, physics. Uh, those are the, All of them are really good books. You can check out Isaac Asimov's book on mechanics as well. Really, all of them are really good. Uh, there's also this book, uh, Resnick Halliday Crane. Okay, not Resnick Halliday Walker, but Resnick Halliday Crane. That's exceptionally book. In my opinion, that's the most beautiful book in physics I've ever read in my life. Resnick Halliday Crane, Namo Kaur, and Alak Pandya, three people that made me fall in love with physics. Nobody else. Okay, nobody else. So, if you're an international student, Resnick Halliday Crane, just study that, improve your problem solving abilities, get your conceptual clarity. Head over to Princeton Review or Parents and you're good enough for a pair of that, that That is what uh, AP, that, that's how you should uh, proceed with AP Physics. Coming on to AP Chemistry. Now, AP Chemistry, uh, again, if you are in American student, just follow whatever has been done in school. If you're an Indian student, you need to be a little bit careful about the contents of the AP Chemistry exam. Now, chemistry is by far the most vast subject when it comes to J preparation when it comes to uh, board preparation but the AP chemistry really tests you on like 9 or 10 different topics right it's mostly physical chemistry there are certain there are certain areas of inorganic chemistry involved as well but it's largely physical chemistry right so whatever chapters are there whether it be electrochemistry it be chemical kinetics whether it be stereochemistry um, uh, so stereochemistry does not come like organic does not come like I said stoichiometry can come uh, redox reactions uh, periodic properties, chemical bonding, all of these chapters are typically asked in the AP exam. Mole concept, of course, equivalent concept. So, just again, check out Unacademy of Vedanta lectures on these topics. And um, there's there's a book called R.C. Mukherjee. Beautiful book. Uh, R.C. Mukherjee, I really like that. Uh, I used to solve that when I was in grade 9 and 10. And there's also this book by Narendra Avasti. You can also check that out. In my opinion, Narendra Avasti is slightly better, it's more J oriented, it's more objectively oriented. And that would really help you a lot in the AP Chemistry exam if you solve Narendra Vasti. The chapters that obviously are, are asked in the AP Chemistry exam, only 9 or 10 are there. So you can do that and that, that in my opinion would be more than sufficient. You, you don't even need to read the Prince in the view if you've done all of these things. For an international student who is not from India, I would really recommend you to maybe just go for any textbook, any standard textbook in physical chemistry, uh, whatever there is in your country that works. Uh, you can check them out from physical chemistry because in India we don't really emphasize on theory a lot in physical chemistry. We're just we're just going behind problem solving, and that's fine as well. And after once you're done with your theory, you can obviously check out Narendra Rosti. It's a beautiful book written by an Indian chemist, and uh, yeah, that should be enough. If you solve Narendra Rosti, you don't even need Princeton to even ask. That that book is useless if you solve Narendra Rosti. Narendra Rosti is a beautiful book. It's much more than sufficient for AP chemistry. So that is how you should uh, go for with the AP chemistry preparation. Right. That's interesting. Also, I think you just broke their policy by revealing the chapters. But anyway. <laughs> the chapters are there, obviously. You can reveal the chapters. You can reveal the syllabus. It's given on their site as well. So that's not revealing anything. But uh, I can't reveal anything that came on the exam. 
<laughs> right. Well, so yeah, so talking about your exam, how was the day? You know, how was the day when you just walked into the hall, gave your exam? I mean, how- okay, let's start a little bit behind from the exam. You know, let's build up some. Let's, let's build up some momentum. Okay. So it was. It was eleventh of March. I had just completed my annual exam in at my school, and by thirty first March, I had received my results. Right, uh, I scored ninety five point four percent on in grade level. Then we'll have a separate podcast for that as well. That that's a brilliant story in itself altogether. It's a really inspiring story. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're gonna have us in that for sure. Uh, okay, thirty first March, I received my result. It comes April. I have one month for the AP exam. First twenty days. I study nothing. I I I study nothing. It's like I don't I I I have stopped caring about AP exam. At that point, you know, I I was too much interested into mathematics. Too much into all of these interesting things. I did not care about AP. I was. It was like I I just didn't care. I didn't study for it at all. You know, there were certain topics in AP chemistry that I hadn't touched: electrochemistry, chemical kinetics, redox reactions. I never studied them. Right, twenty days of twenty days. There's there's background noise too. Oh, is there? Um. Okay, now. Ah, be okay. So twenty days of April went by, and I hadn't studied anything. Now I was pretty confident about physics and maths, because I really needed a revision, and even if I did that one or two days before the exam, I was pretty confident. Twenty days went by in April. I had studied nothing. I hadn't even looked at the previous questions, like the 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 subjective portion, the pre-response question. I hadn't opened any of my pension review books that I had bought like a month, month and a half ago. After like twenty days, I started getting a guilty feeling that okay, I should probably prepare, and I still didn't prepare. I procrastinated five days. I kept studying mathematics. And this is not mathematics for AP exam. This is mathematics for Olympiads, non-routine mathematics, Olympiad mathematics, stuff like that. I was way too much in love with that. Twenty fifth right. April, April, I started studying for the AP exams. My first AP exam was on second May. It got postponed. That was, in my opinion, a slight relief. Otherwise, the schedule was way too cramped up. You know, I had to study electrochemistry. I had to study chemical kinetics. I had to study redox reactions. I had to study chemical bonding, which I had not studied in months. You know, periodicity and all. I I had to study. I had not studied. I had not revised that in months, right? It it had been like more than a year since I studied those things. Uh, small concepts in stoichiometry are pretty simple, so don't, that's not an issue at all. But certain things in AP Chemistry, I had no idea how to tackle them, right? And even when it comes to AP Physics, the subjective portion was really really hard. But even for me, I had to practice a decent amount. Uh, for me, or I had to like strengthen my concepts a decent amount before the AP exams to kind of like get a good hang of them. So I started on twenty fifth. I started studying chemistry, started in chemistry. A couple of days before the chemistry exam, I realized that chemistry exam is postponed. I started studying for physics then, um, physics and maths basically. My maths exam was on ninth of uh, May, uh, and the physics exam was the next day on the tenth of May. Right, so I had two AP exams in two days, which is really hectic. Is extremely hectic. Okay, two AP exams in two days is really stressful. 
So I gave the uh, maths exam. I was pretty confident that I was scoring 5 out of 5. As I am pretty sure I scored a near perfect score in the AP Chapters BC exam. As that was kind of my forte. I knew that I would ace it. But then comes the physics, AP Physics exam. It, it, it was kind of like it could go anything. Because obviously solving 35 questions in 45 minutes is not an easy task whatsoever. And solving, and, and you're tasked with three JG advanced questions and you have to solve one of them. So again, that's pretty hard to do as well. But I managed to do that somehow. <laughs> I had uh, good conceptual clarity and my problem solving speed was also pretty good. I managed to squeeze out uh, some time at the end. So basically it was like 15 days. I scored 5, 5 and 4. You consider it as 14 stars in 15 days. 15 days of prep was all I did. To be, if I'm being very frank. 15 days of prep was all I did. Um, and, you know, after 10th, after 10th May, I my AP exam was rescheduled to 26th May. I already knew that. From 10th May till the morning of 25th May, I did not study anything of AP chemistry. Again, I completely veered towards Olympiad mathematics. I, I, I just used to do that. I just used to do that. I used to do programming. I used to love programming as well. I still do, of course. I, I love programming. I love computer programming. I used to do that. I used to spend my time in computer science, machine learning, you know, research. Obviously, we were working on that project as well at that time. So, you know, we were working on those things. I was working on those things and I had absolutely no intention of studying chemistry. Because chemistry, for me, is inherently a subject that I don't really like. At least in AP chemistry, physical chemistry is asked. So, that is at least something that I like. But in general, organic and inorganic, I hate from the bottom of my heart. Okay. No disrespect to it, but I just don't like road learning too many things. But uh, yeah, till the morning of 25th May, I had not studied any chemistry and I had an AP exam in less than 24 hours. Thankfully, from 25th April to like 1st, uh, 1st of May or 2nd of May, I had studied quite a bit of chemistry. So I just like literally I pulled out an all-nighter that day. I did not sleep in the night. In the morning, uh, I just I, I, I like I took some coffee or something. I just gave the exam, and uh, yeah, I, I came back and then I slept the entire day. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that was it. I, I I procrastinated a lot for AP chemistry, and that was probably a blunder. In hindsight, it was a blunder. But I was not in a mental state to study chemistry at all. I was too much engrossed into research, too much engrossed into mathematics, too much engrossed in computer program to even think about doing a subject like chemistry. No disrespect to it, of course. I love certain aspects of chemistry. right? Especially the ones that come on the AP exam, but it did not appeal to me a lot that I need to study. In hindsight, you can consider that as a mistake. But yeah, that, that was what it was. I did not study a lot for it at all. Like, Literally, just 24 hours. I did not study, I had not study AP exam, AP chemistry for like 25 days. Right? I stopped it on like 1st of May. I did not study for 25 days. On 25th May, I pick up my book again. I just revise it. I take out an all-nighter. I solve some practices. I go for the exam. Completely in a sleepy mindset. Somehow, I managed to survive those 3, 3 and a half hours over there. Or those 4 hours, actually. Uh, 4 hours in the exam hall, 1 hour... I, t- I took to go through the exam center. It's like an hour from my house and one hour to come back. So six hours, it was extremely t- I was extremely tired by the end of it and I slept the entire day. So yeah, <laughs> the AP chemistry was a really hectic exam. At the end of it, at the end of all three exams, I was really happy. I was confident that I have done well. I have done well enough. It's for decent in all three exams. 
I was expecting to find out in mathematics and physics. Uh, chemistry, I was, uh, uh, it could have gone either way. Obviously, I know that I could have prepared better, for sure. I could have made certain better choices, for sure. But again, it, it, it turned out quite well in the end, I would say. It wasn't bad at all. It was a really right. nice experience and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. These are the experiences that you have in high school that they are not going to come back again. Just imagine like studying an entire night for an exam. Right. Like, you're never going to get that exam again. Right? You're never going to get it again. It's, it's, it's quite an experience. Really. You learn a lot from it at the end of the day. So that, yeah. that's why I say like no matter what happens, no matter how bad of a situation you are, no matter how guilty you feel, there's all there's always something that you can learn from it. There's always something that you can learn from it taking forward. And there's always you can always be optimistic. I could have quit the AP exam. I could have I could have either been like, Oh man, I'm not prepared. I cannot give the exam tomorrow. I have only twenty four hours. What the hell am I gonna do in this twenty four hours? I should probably like skip the exam or something. I should not give it altogether. Right? Or or maybe I should just flunk it altogether. I should not prepare. But I studied those twenty four hours, man. I had twenty four hours and I made Really good use of it. Correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I scored four out of five, and uh, yeah, it turned out it turned out fairly well in the end. I could have prepared better for sure, but uh, I enjoyed it. Man. I enjoyed the fifteen days solving mathematics and computer science. That's 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 the silver lining from it. But yeah, that's how it went. Right. So it was a great experience. And yes, definitely. A lot for sharing it to the users. I'm pretty sure they're thanking you right now. Of course, you can't hear them, but <laughs> well, I guess the story of uh, your 11th exams that is for another day, along with many other stories to come yeah. in the form of podcasts, of course. So please stay tuned. And this was the end of this podcast. See you next time. Bye bye, guys. Thank you very much. See you soon.